The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Fifty-seven yard potential game winner. Kane's boot is on the way. It's hooking. It's turning. It is good. Fifty-seven yards. Dramatic win. Iowa. Bedlam breaks out in Iowa City, and the hero is number one. Strike up the band, Marshall Kane. 57 yards, a game winner with no time left. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. This is our new Reporter's Notebook podcast. This week, it features Scott Docterman, who looks back at the Hawks' last-second win over Pittsburgh and previews this week's North Texas game. And you'll hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's contest, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Dan McCarney from North Texas. This Hawkeye's Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly programs, which includes sports reporter Scott Docterman of the Gazette and Steve Patterson from the Quad City Times, plus our own Tyler Chelmeland. Game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Joe Beninati and Glenn Mason. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeye's Mike programs are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years. The Iowa Hawkeyes host the University of North Texas this Saturday afternoon at 2.30 in Kinnick Stadium. The Hawkeyes come into this game 3-0, having defeated Illinois State and Pitt at home, Iowa State on the road. They're trying to improve to 4-0 for the first time since 2009 and only the fourth time under Kirk Ferentz. They're one of only five teams with two wins versus Power 5 conferences so far. The other three, Northwestern, Georgia, and Toledo. They're trying to avoid any kind of a letdown after the emotional last-second win win over Pitt and before the Big Ten opener next weekend at Wisconsin. North Texas has lost at SMU 31-13 and then to Rice at home last week 38-24. Head coach Dan McCarney says North Texas has struggled to play a four-quarter game yet this year. They're playing only their second game ever against a Big Ten team. The other was Indiana. They're looking to end a seven-game road losing streak and avoid the first 0-3 start since 2011, which was McCarney's first season as head coach of the Mean Green. Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz is in his 20th year as a head coach, 17th at Iowa. He now has 118 wins as a member of the Big Ten Conference. That's just one shy of tying Barry Alvarez for ninth all-time in conference history. North Texas head coach Dan McCarney, an Iowa City native, in his 17th year as a head coach, his fifth year at North Texas where his record is 22-29. and 29. In 2013, McCarney led North Texas to a 9-4 and season. They won the Heart of Dallas Bowl. It's just the sixth time in 100 years of football at North Texas that the team won at least nine games. This will be McCarney's seventh appearance on the opposing sideline at Kinnick Stadium. His record in that capacity is 3-3. Three and three. All six of those games were as Iowa State's head coach. It's the first meeting between these two schools. Iowa is 4-1 all-time against schools currently in Conference USA. 
There are no major changes to Iowa's depth chart for this game. Former Iowa head coach Hayden Fry compiled a 40-23-3 record from 1973-78 to at North Texas prior to his becoming head coach of the Hawkeyes. And that's all I have to say about that. Let's hear from the head coaches in this coming Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who talks about the improvement in the play of his starting punter, Dylan Kidd, as well as place kicker, Marshall Kane. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to take credit for that one, too. Uh, that would be uh, an exaggeration, a gross exaggeration, I think. You know, he's just he's really uh, done a great job of concentrating. He's been done a pretty fair job in practice overall, overall, uh, since he got here. But, but it's a little bit like I alluded to with Marshall. You know, Marshall's biggest challenge was developing consistency consistency, which over the last two years he's really done. And I would uh, give Dylan, you know, the same uh, same credit. Last year he wasn't real consistent. That showed up. And uh, thus far, you know, three games into it, he's really doing a super job. So uh, I know he's really approached it uh, with the right mindset. He's worked hard uh, away from the field, worked hard on the field. And it's great to see it when it carries over to the game field. And that, that's, you know, he, he deserves all the credit for that, just like Marshall uh, with his, you know, his progress and accomplishments. Ferentz was asked about his memories at Iowa of working with North Texas head coach and Iowa City native Dan McCarney. Oh, man. Well, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Coach Fry coming down and ripping us for doing one-on-ones uh, shortly into, you know, whenever it may have been when I got here. But, you know, Dan, Dan I, you know, there, there's different relationships people have typically with line coaches on any staff you know they work hand in hand just like the coordinators communicate a lot and uh so being a line coach offense Dan was defense you know there's that, that natural camaraderie I guess and you know we, we had a lot of good uh good experiences and that was that was the thing that made it so special to be here throughout the 80s for the most part our staff stayed intact I got here first guy I met was Barry Alvarez he picked me up at the airport when I interviewed and I think it was seven straight years not one one coaching spot changed on our staff so we had great stability that way Needless to say, we all became very good friends. And, uh, you know, then to see the guys afterwards, you know, not, you know after that nine-year period, guys go off and do things on their own and, uh, you know, have the kind of success they've had, be it Barry, be it Bill Snyder, uh, Dan, all, all those folks. You know, that part's all been great. You know, the only downside has been having to compete against each other. And I think I've, uh, it's probably about four or five guys, I think, that I've worked with that, you know, we end up being on the on sidelines opposite. And that, that's not much fun, you know, quite frankly. And I, I talked to Coach Fry last week. He never enjoys that either because, you know, it's like who, who you cheering for, the offense or the defense, you know, you want. So it's, it's one of those uh, can't-win propositions sometimes. Kirk talks about his team's 3-0 and start. You know, there's nothing wrong with winning, I can tell you that. And uh, especially when you're, you know, I'm, I'm more pleased with how we've won so far, and they've been three different types of games. The first game, you know, we, we came ready to play uh, right from the start. We haven't always done that in our first ball game, so that was good to see uh, against a team that we had a lot of respect for. Uh, certainly the, the next week was, you know, right down to the wire, and then we were able to, you know, punch it through there at the end. And then, you know, you shift gears uh, Saturday night. It was a really physical football game. I mean, they, they, they play a lot like we do. We're differently built, but they play a lot like we do. You know, they uh, come after you pretty hard physically. Uh, so for us to have to, to go through a game like that and then to win it on the last possible uh, play of the game, you know, that, that was really gratifying too. So hopefully those are all learning experiences. And, po- you know, it's, you learn from everything, you know, but it, we all prefer learning from a, a win. That's, that's the best way to learn, no doubt about that. Ferentz was asked about the play of his starting quarterback, C.J. Beathard, who is now
now 4-0 and as the Hawkeyes starter. You have to give him a lot of credit there. And that, those are the things that are hard to evaluate without, without a player being in a game. But, you know, the toughness aspect, it, it's hard for uh, any quarterback at any level to be extraordinary if, if they're not, not tough-minded. I mean, they just have to be. That's, that's a really, uh, that's the nature of that position. Then the other two parts, I think, are judgment and uh, just the poise aspect. And, and they kind of go together. Because, again, it's, it's easier to have good judgment when you're not getting hit in the face or getting chased around, those types of things. But that, that's football. It's going to happen. You have to be able to deal with those things. Tough crowds, you know, et cetera, bad circumstances, all those things, because it's going to happen during the course of a season. And, and again, it's hard to simulate. You try to simulate those things, but you can't, you know, you can't simulate 60,000 or 100,000 people screaming at you in peaks and valleys. So we're getting hit in the Adam's apple, whatever it may be. So I, I think, you know, if anything I've been impressed with, then I think I, I'm speaking for everybody on our staff, just his poise, his judgment over three games has really been impressive. And, you know, it's, it's really something to build on. We're not there yet, but uh, something to build on. And Kirk himself admits it's a new me. Yeah, it's a new me. I mean, you know, Mark, it's, uh, you know, it's as simple as this. You know, you just get back to everybody that left the stadium back there in November. Everybody, players, coaches, every fan that we have, and we got the best fans in the world. Everybody left saying, really? Okay, so, you know, you go through a, a little period like that, and the bowl game wasn't much fun either. So you go back and you just look at everything. And, yeah, I mean, we're, we were uh, wide open. We had an open mind back in January, starting January, more so in February, March, April. You know, what can we do to, uh, to be better? And uh, I don't think we look totally different right now as a football team, but if we could make some tweaks and little changes that were going to help us and be advantageous, then, yeah, we were open to it. And, you know, it's all about moving forward. So that, that's kind of what we've all – and everybody's made great contributions, all the guys on the staff. So that's what it's all about, and that's, uh, that's what we ask our team to do too. Next, we hear from North Texas head coach Dan McCarney, who was asked how his team rebounds after two straight losses to open the season. The season's a long way from being over, and uh, there's nobody around here in depression. We've played two games and came up short in two of them. we got we got to take care of the ball much better. You know, we, we were minus 60 when I got here. We took it to plus 20. Now we're minus four after two games. So that's really, really a poor job of taking care of the football, and it's uncharacteristic of our program. And don't think that didn't impact the outcome of these last two games. If we can take better care of the ball and get some turnovers, which we got in the first week, but we didn't get last week, then it enhances your chances to win no matter who you play where. But that's a daily process. It's just, it's every day. You, you got to just one day at a time, do a better job of taking care of the football. And we've not coached it any less than we have since we took the job, but we're, this is a results-oriented profession that we're in, obviously. And we're not taking care of the ball. And don't think that didn't have a major impact on the outcome of the game Saturday. We're roaring on a, on a series and moving the ball, and Willie Ivory puts it on the ground. Fumble the punt, just poor judgment. It has nothing to do with skill or ability, it just has poor judgment. Uh, don't try and be Deion Sanders. Just be smart with it, okay? Well, we turn it over to critical, critical situations. we got to get that fixed. So that's not the only issues right now, but, but so many positive things and so much improvement. And, uh, but that, that's got to be solved, and we got to do a better job of it. And we can talk about it all we want. We can preach it and teach it and coach it and put it up on PowerPoints and show our team turnover margin on Sundays, which we always do for that game and for the conference. But it comes down to the individual carries the ball as a returner, as a receiver, as a running back, as a quarterback. And whoever gets their hands on the ball, you got, you're, you know, you're, that ball represents 117 players and the whole coaching staff. And we haven't figured that out yet to respect the ball and take better care of it. We need to immediately. McCarney talks about the improved play of his starting quarterback and Iowa City native Andrew McNulty. 
carried over to Saturday what he'd been doing in practice, been doing that in, in uh, all through camp. Uh, he'd been making those throws, the, the, the huge play to Carlos Harris. He'd been doing that in practice, and he just misfired. Uh, had a few misreads in the first game, and he was better, obviously more efficient, more productive. And then in the end, he had over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns, made great decisions, did a really good job running the football when we asked him to. And that, what you saw Saturday, is, is a lot of what we've been seeing in camp when we said he was really improved and he's our, he's our guy. And here's why he's our starting quarterback. He's just he's got so much pride and character, and he wants to do well. And uh, he's sick about losing, as we all are. But but no question, we improved, and we did a lot of good things against a good Rice team Saturday. McCarney was asked if returning to Iowa City is added motivation for him and McNulty. No, I don't know that added motivation. You know, I mean, this is honestly, listen, this isn't about uh, this isn't Bill Belichick and Tom Brady coming back to Iowa City. This is just two Iowa City natives that um, are proud of our roots. Um, it's a pretty unique situation that a Division One head coach and a starting quarterback go back to a hometown where they grew up at. We're both blue-collar type guys and uh, and proud of our roots, but we're going to do everything we can to try and win a football game when we're a major underdog. I coached at Iowa, played at Iowa, and coached there for 19 years, and now I've coached against them, um, you know, 17 times since I left and went to Wisconsin and Iowa State. So it's not anything new for me. It's just What's very similar is how tough this challenge is to go beat an Iowa team that's so strong, so physical, so confident, and uh, playing in a really good system. So, But I talked to Andy Mack this morning, and uh, this isn't – I don't want him to feel like it's any different or any uh, any more weight than he has every week as a starting quarterback. Go execute, make plays, run the offense, and um, know that we're going out to coach against and play against a team that we really, really respect, program that we really respect. And we have deep roots in that community and at that university, but we're going to go try and win a football game. McCarney talks about his start in coaching at Iowa. I was a graduate assistant for two years. I got caught, I got cut in the NFL twice. When the Atlanta Falcons, Denver Broncos came back, was a graduate assistant both times. And then Bob Cummings, who was my coach when I played uh, as a senior, gave me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant and a part-time coach because there was no part-time status nowadays. Back then you could be a part-time coach. So what did that mean? They gave you a little bit more money. I got 10000 in 77 and eight and 12000 in 78. But it allowed you to go on the road and recruit. So that really helped me grow as a coach and I'll always be thankful of Coach Cummings that gave me that opportunity and then Hayden Fry came in left North Texas about 15 minutes into an interview and I thought I'd be long gone and the last guy that would get any consideration because I was the youngest guy on the staff he said I want you to be my tight end coach and he offered me $18,000 and I came up off the couch and I was ecstatic and I was shocked that he gave me that opportunity and then the defensive line coach left after spring ball Bob Lee to come back to Texas he wanted to come back here he missed family he wanted to come back and Coach Fry um, thought I did a good job with the tight ends that spring. He gave me a raise to 24000 said, take the defensive line. You got him. And then we had these un- amazing, unbelievable years together. And I had those defensive line. Many of the defensive linemen are coming back for the game this week. And a lot of Kirk's offensive linemen are coming back. So they're all talking about trying to get out there and get some one-on-one pass rush stuff going during pregame warm-up. But after tailgating, I don't think that's probably a very good idea for those guys to do that. And McCarney was asked about the problems through two games with his defense. I don't think there's any one thing. You know, we, we, have, we have to be more consistent. We have to be better t- tackling. We have to go after the ball when it's in the air with confidence, be a little tighter with our coverage, and then go make a play on the ball. You know, it's two weeks in a row now we've not intercepted a ball. You, as you guys know, you watch us real close. you followed our career since we've come here. That's just not our style of football. And we have to have defensive backs and linebackers that are, are not afraid to go do that and not hesitant to go do that and trust their preparation, trust their fundamentals, trust their technique, and then go make a play. Don't be a robot in space. Go make a play. Get your hands on a ball. Pass broken up. PBUs. Those are really important. Get your hands on a ball and intercept it. 
And after Saturday, we know we're going to get a lot more shots. Beathard's a really, really, really good quarterback, a really good player. So much in the mold of so many of the successful winning big-time quarterbacks that Iowa's had through the years. Great bloodlines. Dad Bobby Beathard is one of the most respected GMs in the history of the NFL. It's no uh, surprise that he's really successful. But we have to go make some plays on that. And then, you know, the longer the game goes, your fundamentals can't slip. The faster the pace, the longer the game goes, don't let your fundamentals slip. And I'm seeing some of that. And whether it's a fast pace or a slower pace, play with confidence, play physical, and uh, and do your job. And I don't want to oversimplify it, but that's really what you have to do. On third and five, Beathard with plenty of time. Steps up, tucks it down. Beathard on his way, diving to the end zone. Touchdown, Hawkeyes. I told you one of the keys of the game for Pitt would be contain C.J. Beathard because he can beat you with his feet. Kane's extra point try is good. Beathard had two rushing touchdowns here against Illinois State in the opener on BTN. Wobbly a little bit as he makes his way back to the sideline. A nine-yard dash has Iowa in front by ten. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer, protects your hands all day. Stays on. Up to 10 washings. Moisturizes. Alcohol-free. And safe for the kids. So go ahead. Touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet. Prefins. Keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now for our weekly Reporter's Notebook show. This week features Scott Docterman. You can read Scott's articles in the Gazette and online at gazette.com and in his blog, Doc's Office. You can also follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Docterman. Scott looks back at the pit game and he previews this Saturday's North Texas contest. Scott, before we turn to the North Texas game, let's take one last look back at Iowa's big last-second win over Pitt. Well, this is a program-defining game, and it has that potential for so many reasons. I mean, you know, first and foremost, you start with the the last play of the game, you know, the 57-yard field goal that cleared the uprights by probably five yards. That, you know, struck a dagger to to Pittsburgh, but it was, you know, 27-24 win for Iowa. When you talk about a night game, great atmosphere at Kinnick. You start the game off beforehand with Brett Greenwood walking on the field. You're, you're coming out with Pat Angler as the honorary captain. An electric environment. A lot of a lot of wrestle-dazzle at times, but you know, just really it's a terrific night for Iowa and then to go 3-0. You know, it doesn't really get much better than for that for Iowa right now. Yeah, the other good thing, there were a slew of, of recruits there, and that had to be a pretty impressive atmosphere as well as performance for those kids. Yeah, if you show those recruits that type of atmosphere, I mean, it, that in itself is going to give them a positive vibe. Now, hopefully recruits pick schools based on you know academics and their, the coaches and the systems and what have you, and that's just kind of the icing on the cake. But it was a great impression that they left. I mean, this shows this is the type of environment that you're going to play in if you come to Iowa. And if you're a basketball player, because there's a significant <laughs> recruit there as well, hey, this is how the fans react to football. They're going to treat you the same in basketball, and you're going to be a part of it. And so I think that was, you know, Iowa put its best foot forward. The fans did as well, and uh, you know that they did nothing but uh, enhance the reputation of the school. So Iowa moves to seven and four all-time in night games played in Kinnick Stadium, and there'll be one more this season later in the fall against Minnesota. But first things first, this Saturday the University of North Texas comes in. They uh, are coached by. Four 
former Hawkeye and former Hawkeye assistant coach and former Iowa State coach, Dan McCarney, an Iowa City native, their starting quarterback, is also an Iowa City native. He led City High to the 4A title in uh, 2009. Iowa, of course, is 3-0, and looking for a 4-0 and start, their first since 2009. It would be the fourth under Kirk. North Texas, however, is struggling. They've only played two games, lost one on the road at SMU and lost in their home opener last weekend against Rice. Yeah, this is uh, this is that typical late non-conference game that most schools in the Big Ten choose to have, which is something to just kind of rest up, tweak some things, and get ready for the Big Ten season. And you're seeing right now kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, you're seeing Iowa, which is filled with confidence. Uh, one, you know, they're 3-0, as you mentioned, for the first time in six years. And in the manner with which they've done it has really uh, helped enhance the, the confidence of the program, the, the players within it. And um, then you look at North Texas, conversely. You know, they've lost two games last week. They lost to Rice. You know, the final score was respectable, but really it was a 38-10 to game for most of the of the game. So it was uh, they, they've got a lot of uphill climbing to do at uh, at North Texas. but and, and statistically, that bears it out. Now, Andrew McNulty is their quarterback. He's a class kid, a first-class kid, not just a class kid. Great quarterback at, at City High. Had him within a whisker, winning a state title in 2010. And, and just, uh, you know, an all-around, you know, his dad played with, uh, with Dan McCartney at Iowa. They remain great friends. So, you know, those are sometimes those are a little bit bittersweet because you know what kind of team he's bringing in. And uh, yet, you know, you want to kind of root for the local kids. So well, I'm not sure how much success he's going to have. But, uh, you know, he's. He, I hope that Iowa fans at least kind of give him an ovation. Well, Vegas has Iowa as a big favorite, uh, 25 points plus or minus a couple. You have to hope the players aren't reading that kind of thing and taking it to heart because sandwiched between that very emotional victory over Pitt and then the opening Big Ten contest next week in Madison against Wisconsin, this game does have the potential for a letdown. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if there's an emotional letdown. I mean, because you go all the way back, I mean, these first three games have all been filled with, you know, some sort of emotion. I mean, the first one, after an offseason of discontent, you know, it was good for them to get on the field, and they played really well. They kind of proved themselves. Then they had a rivalry game with Iowa State. Then you follow that up with just a physical, hard-hitting game against Pittsburgh. They went all the way down to the end, and, the, you know, all the the issues regarding, you know, Tyler Sash, his tragic passing, and, and Brett Greenwood coming to the field. But this has got that natural ability to be kind of an emotional letdown. But I think what Iowa needs to do, and what Kirk has done a good job of doing in the past, is just have them really focus on what they do well. You know, focus on the techniques, the fundamentals, the aspects that got them there, and, and not so much on the rah-rah part of it. And I think if Iowa does that, Iowa will be fine. Dan McCartney says his team is struggling to play a four-quarter game, at least through the first two contests this season. Let's take a little bit more in-depth look at Iowa's defense against North Texas's offense. The Iowa Hawkeyes defense leads the Big Ten and are fifth nationally in rushing, only giving up 51 yards a game. They haven't surrendered a rushing touchdown yet this year. And in the fourth quarter, they've yielded just a total of four yards rushing. On the other hand, North Texas offense, 119th in scoring, 18.5 points a game, 102nd in total offense, and 359 yards a game, and 97th nationally in rushing offense, which is 11th in Conference USA at 143.5 yards, and you would think that average is probably going to drop even more after this Saturday. Yeah, there's, there's, this is an uphill climb for North Texas, no doubt about it. I mean, Iowa has 
It's defended the run really well. Now, granted, they haven't faced a, a, a top-flight running back except for week one, and he was on an FCS program. And I think this will just continue to, to have the stats here. Uh, you know, North Texas is not a very good running team. You know, in fact, I would say maybe their most dangerous runner is the quarterback, Andrew McNulty, because he, he can run and throw. But r- really, uh, to me, it, it's about what can I w- work on? Is there anything here that Iowa wants to do that needs to do on defense to kind of enhance before they go into, uh, you know, get and play against, uh, you know, Wisconsin and then beyond the Big Ten. So uh, this, this is a struggling offense, as you mentioned, the statistics. I mean, scoring, oh, they're only averaging 18 and a half. They've only played two games. However, you know, playing SMU, which I think won one game last year, or maybe even zero, and then Rice, which has, has been a nice program at Conference USA, and but it's certainly not the power that it was in the Southwest Conference in the 1950s. I think uh, there's a lot of question marks for North Texas, and, and Iowa has a, a major advantage in this category. McNulty, uh, McCartney said, was inconsistent in that loss at SMU, but played much better against Rice. He threw for a career-high 303 yards in last weekend's game. 14-21 to 21 on third-down pass plays. 12 of those went for first downs, but one of their big problems is they have a very young offensive line, and in fact, there are two offensive tackles. One's a freshman, a true freshman. The other's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, I, I don't think this is the type of game you want them to play in, you know, but uh, but the, the fact is that, you know, they I think they had four starters uh, they lost off the offensive line. I mean, this is a team that wasn't real good last year. I think they were four and eight. So, you know, they've got to, they've got to climb. And, and, you know, but they do have a decent combination with McNulty and, and uh, their, their wide receiver there. I think his name's uh, Carlos. Carlos <laughs> Harris. To, uh, yeah, Carlos Harris. There it is. 93-yard reception there in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and that was the sixth longest play in North Texas history. So they've, they've got a little bit of a, you know, a quick strike kick ability, but, but to try to do that against Iowa. Now, for Iowa, the flip side, uh, they needed to start working and getting a better pass rush, and this is probably a good game for somebody like Parker Hesse, who has come in and played well since Drew, uh, Drew Ott's arm injury, that maybe he can work, you know, get a little more work against uh, you know, comparably experienced players, and uh, you know, and maybe be able to, to get a little success. So, But that said, uh, this is a really difficult matchup for North Texas. You mentioned Harris. He not only had that one really long play, he totaled 193 yards on eight catches against Rice last week and two touchdowns. That leads the Conference USA in receiving in yards per game and his 12th nationally. And Phil Parker has talked this week about being very concerned about the defense giving up too many big plays already this season, 12, and 10 of those via passing. Well, yeah, and, and that's that's bound to happen. And I think you look at who they've played, the wide receiver that they played last week in Tyler Boyd is to me, you know, one of, if not the best, he's up in the one or two best wide receivers in the country. I saw uh, NFL mock draft this week that had him 12th overall. And so he's going to make plays, and he certainly did make plays. And, and Iowa State's wide receivers are very talented as well. So now that that said, you, you can't allow that to happen. And I would say out of their next three after this game, you really have to be concerned probably with Illinois with their deep threats. But, but by and large, I, I think, you know, it, again, it's, it's kind of, I was always working towards something in the in the preseason or the non-conference season. And the fact that they're winning while doing it has certainly been a positive. Yeah, I still like Iowa's defensive secondary. I think it's better and it's been in a long time. And there's a lot of teams this year that Pitt will play that are going to get burned by Tyler Boyd. King had two picks last week, three on the season. Maven played a solid game again. So you can expect if uh, North Texas has trouble running the ball that, again, 
it'll be McNulty to Harris, and that they're going to be all over him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to be the guy they're going to watch. And, you know, and again, you know, statistics sometimes lie. And in his case, he has 233 yards and 93 came on one play late in the game. I mean, it was it was like five minutes to go after they're getting blown out. So, But that said, what a great opportunity, you know, to, to you know, I'm sure they, they saw themselves. They did make mistakes against Boyd, but so will everybody else in the country. And I think, you know, particularly for Greg Maben, if he can get his hand on a ball and, you know, take it back, I think it'd be really beneficial for, for them and the safety play. I think the safety play has been a little inconsistent close to the line of scrimmage. And so I think right now this is a, a perfect opportunity for them to get some work against North Texas's receivers. And North Texas has already allowed four sacks in those two games. The Hawkeyes are seventh nationally in sacks, 3.67 a game. And defensive end Nate Myers played fairly well. He's seventh nationally and third in the big, averaging 1.33 sacks per game. And North Texas is also struggling right now with turnover margin. They're a minus four. So I think those are all things to keep an eye on Saturday. Yeah, that is. Yeah, Nate Meyer, you bring up a good point. He's To me, I, I thought he was the guy that had the best chance to kind of take off this, this season. You know, he's a smallish defensive end, but he's just, he's like that guy that, you know, he, he, one of your friends who's crazy <laughs> and you don't really want to mess with. And I think he's, you know, he's getting, the, he has a, produced a better technique this year. And last last week, you know, before that, they converted that fourth and 15, he came off the edge and had a really big, important, impactful sack. So I think, uh, you know, he's, to me, if Drew Ock can come back healthy and play the way he usually does, I think Iowa can have a really good tandem there at defensive end. Let's flip over and look at Iowa's offense and how it matches up against North Texas defense. It's a lot of superlatives, really, for the offense so far this season that's been pretty balanced the first two games, relied more heavily on passing versus Pitt. Bethard, undefeated now in four career starts. He's completing nearly 59% of his passes. He had a really good day against Pitt. And in fourth quarter play in the last four games, including the bowl games, he's 21-24 passing, 301 yards, three TDs, eight carries for 73 yards and one touchdown. I think Kirk, and he said as much in the last couple of weeks in his pressers, has to be very satisfied with his choice of starting quarterback. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And, and I would say that, you know, I, I've, I've said this, I think, last week that, you know, C.J. Beathard tips the field. He's the best player on the field. He does the most. And without C.J. Beathard, Iowa might be one and two. Now, they might be a very competitive one and two, but so, you know, ask Nebraska how good that feels right now. So I think right now you, you look at a player who makes plays in the clutch by everything that he does. I mean, Iowa State, I think there were six or seven plays you could count on where it was him who made those plays and made it happen. I mean, everything from stretching the ball past the goal line uh, to prevent a safety to, you know, running out of the end zone to throwing a 50-yard pass out of the end zone, you know. And then last week, some of his most important plays were what happened there in the uh, on the final drive. You know, he runs three times for 27 yards. His first play gets back, and he scrambles for 12. Uh, you know, then later on, uh, maybe the most important play was uh, running for eight yards on third and 10 that got the ball just past the 40-yard line to set up the, the game-winning kick. So, I mean, he's a guy who's uh, done it all. Now, is he the, the one fear you have is he took a lot of big hits last week, and uh, I, I'd suggest he's probably still pretty sore. So if, if, if it's uh, feasible for Iowa, I would suggest getting him out of the game if you're up enough, and I guess that's up to Bethard. Hey, <laughs> we, we want you to get come out of the game, and we want you to do a good job while you're in there. So if Iowa's up, say, four touchdowns in the third quarter, might uh, 
there might be a time for C.J. Beathard to have a seat and relax. Now, Iowa fans for the last few years have been clamoring for longer pass plays, and Beathard already has five of those that cover more than 40 yards a season. That, that ranks third in the Big Ten. To put his play in historical context, if he can... First of all, he joins Nate Chandler as the only Iowa quarterback's interference to win each of their first four starts. But if he wins this Saturday, it'll be the first Iowa quarterback since Matt Sherman all the way back in 94-95 to win their first five starts. And uh, remembering Matt Sherman, who's a really nice kid, but I would I would say Beathard's a better quarterback. And I, and the difference that we've seen with some of these other games, you know, Stanzi and, and some of the other quarterbacks that have come through, is they're really asking C.J. to do a lot. And he's providing them with a lot, and and uh, statistically he's there. And, and you know the comparison with him and, and Jake Rudock is natural. It's going to be ongoing, and I think Iowa certainly made the right choice because you know you kind of wonder does the old Kirk Ferentz before this year say, well, you know I really trust uh, Jake Rudock. He's done nothing to, to to lose the job, and we're going to stick with him. And then you lose C.J. Beathard to transfer. That's that's something you wonder about. Say two years ago would have been like that, but he recognized the talent this guy has, the potential he has, and he's, you know, he's paid him back already. I mean, the, the kids kid play, and uh, and so, you know, those statistics may climb. <laughs> you know, the, the, this week they should for sure. Yeah, it sure makes the wide receivers look better, too. Matt Vandenberg's playing really well. He's got 22 catches in the first three games. Devon Smith went over 1,000 yards receiving in that pit game, and Iowa's running game really has been very good, and even with LaShawn Daniels' limit in carries last week and, and uh, in the second half versus Iowa State. They've still done well. Kanzeri has four rushing touchdowns already. He's really solid catching passes. In fact, he had seven catches for 30 yards against Pitt. But I think the thing that impressed me most about Kanzeri last Saturday was the way he hung in there and picked up blitzers time after time against Pitt's defense. Yeah, he's a, he's a very complete back. I mean, he's as complete of a small back as you'll find uh, you know he, he's the type of guy who's been injured throughout the course of his career so you know you can never really rely on him but the way he's he's performed in every venue and area and you know score for everything from scoring to picking up to having big plays I mean something sometimes it's just improvised improvised plays like last week against Iowa State or a week and a half ago uh, you know he took like a flip from from Bethard and it went like 25 yards down the field and the the way he runs and and there's no fear you know he he takes some shots. He certainly did last week, but he hangs in there. And then Matt Vandenberg, what more can you say? I mean, he leads the Big Ten in, in receptions with 22. And at Iowa State in that fourth quarter, all four of his catches went for first down. So, you know, and then Tavon Smith had, a, you know, they made sure to hook him up with a big play last week, a 50-yard pass. And right now, the skill position players are coming through, even if at times there's maybe not as much separation at the wide receiver level, but you know, I think they're coming along. I think they're playing well. So, you know, and all of that really traces back to Beathard and what Beathard's able to do it opens up the running game and he has he can fit the ball in a, a tighter window than his predecessor when it comes to wide receiver. After this break, Scott talks Iowa's offensive line, the Mean Greens defense, and special teams. Beathard under center, Kittle in motion, Kanziri, no signal, close, still no call, touchdown now, touchdown Hawkeyes. It took him a while to find 33, but he crossed the plane. Marshall Kane for the extra point. This is the 59th straight game for Iowa without a missed or blocked PAT. That's the longest streak 
in the nation. Kanziri just manages to get that one in on the second effort. Are you or your local Iowa company looking for a new roof or sheet metal work? TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal specializes in low-slope commercial and industrial roofing and sheet metal. Building strong and safe in the Midwest for over 50 years, TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, located in Ely, Iowa, just south of Cedar Rapids, provides strong, expert customer service and the best quality fit for you, their customer. For a free estimate, give TNK a call at 319-848-4191 or toll-free at 1-800-383-7663. You can also visit their brand new website at tkroofing.com. TNK Roofing and Sheet Metal, your home for all your low slope roofing systems. Give them a call today. Again, 319 848 4191 or toll free at 1 800 383 7663. I know Kirk says uh, fairly satisfied with the development of the offensive line. Some concern, I think, last week against a pretty good pit defense, but I was given up four sacks so far this season, but they've given up a lot more hurries, especially in the last two games. And you already talked about Beathard getting nicked up last week and, and the hip injury that he had that I think he indicated Tuesday was still impacting his play. So I think they need to clean that up a bit. Yeah, they've got young players on the edges, and I, I had a feeling that going against Pittsburgh, which may, may be the most disruptive front that they'll face, and and it, you know they do have the physicality to match. I, I knew that was going to be an issue for them, and it was. And, and uh, you know, on the edge, I think they're getting better, but sometimes it's hard to judge getting better when the competition's good enough at, the, at that stage. And the interior line is playing really well. I think Austin Blythe and Jordan Walsh are you know playing at a very high level, and uh, and they're seniors, so they really need to. And then at the other guard spot, I think uh, you know you're seeing a combination of Sean Welsh and James Daniels. Those two guys are going to be relied upon heavily next year, and they're, they're trading off time. You know, on the edge, you know, Boone's got a ways to go, but I think he's come a ways, too. So I think it's sometimes it's almost unfair to, to judge him, especially after who he's trying to replace. And then Ike Becker had a really nice game. I think he's he's getting better, too. So out of the bunch, this this week will probably, they'll you'll all be able to see a little more growth, but then when they play Wisconsin next week, that's when you're going to see them getting thrown a lot of stuff similarly in, to, to Narduzzi's defense from Pittsburgh, but it, I mean, they'll just come from all different directions and, and because Wisconsin's got some pretty good backers who like to blitz. Now that uh, Kirk's admitted it's a new Kirk himself, one of their points of emphasis was their red zone offense. Much better this year, 10 of 11, and 9 of those 10 have been touchdowns. Yeah, it's, it's certainly been an improvement, and you can tell. And uh, When they get in there, that, this, and that, that again, that's, that's a, uh, a collective improvement. And it starts with quarterback, but, you know, receivers getting open. I mean, I look at one play, I think it was in the opener, when uh, Beathard threw to Vandenberg on a, uh, like a bubble screen onto the left side. In the past, that ball didn't get there quite as fast. That's usually about a one-yard gain, and that's why everybody used to complain about, you know, I only throw three-yard passes. Well, in this case, if the ball got there fast enough at the nine-yard line, he was able to make a move on the defensive back and score. And I think that shows you the difference in some of the, the way they're playing. And then uh, the other thing is, on the 
running game, they're running more power encounters near the goal line. They used to just run pretty much straight zone, but now they're running that a little bit more, which is are bringing the guards inside, knocking people around, and enabling somebody like Jordan Kanzari to just wiggle his way into the hole and score. Well, normally in our conversations, we talk more about the opponent than we do Iowa, but it was a struggle pulling together notes this week about North Texas, and, and their defense is uh, a work in progress, to say the least, just like their offense. They're 109th in scoring defense, 117th in total defense. They are good in uh, red zone defense, 14th nationally there. But last week against Rice, they gave up 562 total offensive yards on 90 plays. Yeah, and then, and it's going to be a completely different style of play that they're going to face. I mean, you know, Rice and in SMU, they're more zone read, they're fast-paced, they're kind of like Baylor, you know, and that's the way most of these Texas teams are playing right now. We're just really high tempo, fast paces, uh, you know, great athletes. Iowa's going to be more methodical. So in some ways, it may be a little bit more beneficial for them. But then you look and you go, well, yeah, but <laughs> this team's going to be so much more physical than what North Texas has faced. As you mentioned, I mean, they got up, you know, almost 35 points and more than 500 yards a game in their first two games. It's going to be really difficult for them to slow down Iowa. I mean, it's really going to be, to me, this game is about Iowa. If Iowa can complete passes, churn first down, do what it needs to do on defense, I mean, <laughs> then it, it, it's a blowout. The only way North Texas hangs around is if Iowa makes stake. Yeah, the old uh, the old line about it's bad news when your leading tackler is in the defensive secondary. North Texas leading tackler is their free safety, Kashan McLean. He had uh, 16 tackles against Rice. That probably doesn't bode well for any defense. They're giving up 231 yards rushing a game you know, against a team that likes to run the football and it's very physical at the point of attack and generally has NFL caliber <laughs> offensive linemen. I think this is going to be one where he's going to be really sore by the end of the game. Before we go to your prediction, real quick special teams. Again, pretty much superlatives for Iowa there too. Dylan Kidd is leading the Big Ten and punting at 49.8 yards. He would be third in the nation, but he's one punt short of qualifying for that category because Iowa hasn't had to punt that much. And Marshall Kane took one of his punts last week with a rugby style. Kane is terrific. He's he's almost perfect in, the, of course, the 57-yard game winner. And he said Tuesday that he thinks his range is legitimately out to 65 yards. Yeah, he's got a he's got a big time leg. I mean, show, he's shown us what we you know he's probably exceeded everybody's expectations. Let's put it that way. I mean, going into last year, I think everybody thought, okay, this guy's got a big time leg and he's got a lot of ability. We saw it at Solon High School, but he struggled really early, and then all of a sudden it just kind of snapped back into place. He's made 15 out of his last 16 field goals. The only one he missed hit the upright. You know, uh, this year, 11 of the 16 kickoffs have gone for touchbacks. You know, he's always he's run a couple of. Field goals and his rugby punch shows that he's got an incredible leg. I mean, just jumps off his foot. So this guy's going to get drafted, and that rarely happens for kickers or punters. But this guy's going to get picked, and uh, and showing the poise that he did, the athletic ability that he has, that's been a real positive. You know, the one negative Iowa's had in the special teams department really has been you know the block punt. Now they Dylan Kidd said you know and that was a pivotal play in that part of the game that tied it up. But this week they're they're obviously working on that, and I think. 
think they're going to try some new tweaks. So that that could be a real critical play going forward if they allow that to happen again. Yeah, the other thing I thought it was really clear that Desmond King had made big strides between his performance in the Iowa State game as a punt and kick returner and his performance last Saturday against Pitt, where he was really crucial on that last game-winning drive when he returned that kick to midfield. And uh, he, he looks a lot more confident fielding both kicks and punts right now than he did the first couple of games. There's no doubt he's more comfortable. I mean, you know, in fact, you know, it was kind of funny in that Iowa State game where, you know, even Ed Podolak was calling for him to get replaced. And then he comes up with a huge kick, you know, punt return there that brings the ball to midfield and leads Iowa to the game-winning touchdown. And, uh, you know, last week, without that 30-yard return at the end of the game, I'm sure Iowa decides to go ahead and take, take a knee and goes to overtime. And who knows, we could be talking about 2-1. and one, And there's a completely different vibe around this program. So Desmond King has been crucial in, in, right now into the development of, of this team right now. Time now, your keys, your prediction, your rationale. I really think that, you know, as I, as I mentioned a little earlier, this is this game's about Iowa. You know, what can Iowa work on? How can they can they just go out and do what they're supposed to do? And they seem to have that mindset. So, you know, even though they they've been emotional, they've never been over the top. And you know, and sometimes you get teams and players who swing like a pendulum from one side to the other. And I don't see that with this program. I think they're going to go out and take care of business offensively. It's it's about to me just being able to run the football. Can they run the ball for five yards a carry? And I think they will. Defensively, I, I want to see a better pass rush. I think that's important in this game because there's no way that North Texas is going to try to challenge them between the tackles. It's just they can't fight in a phone booth against Iowa. And then third, can they protect C.J. Beathard? If they can, you know, and Beathard does what he needs to do and gets off the field at a good time, I think that's beneficial for this program over the course of the season. So I think Iowa wins, wins decisively. I'm going to call for a 45-13 to 13 win. And the only reason why it's 45 to 13 is because Kirk Ferentz and Dan McCartney are friends and he's not going to run up the score. Where's your killer instinct, son? You gotta get angry! You gotta get mean! That's the only way you can play! Well, I guess I'm not really an angry person. (laughs) (laughs) Are you angry now? Congratulations all the way around for the guys in the black and gold. Marshall Kane overcome with enthusiasm. 57 yards, no trouble. Jubilation on the sideline for Iowa. Iowa is 3-0. 27-24, Hawkeyes on the long-range 57-yard boot. Just a reminder, you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawkeyes. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes. And you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, Medium, and Facebook. Also be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Quad City Times. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks as always to Scott Docterman. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone.
Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.